Very often when we hear about prosperity in the body of Christ, it is always attached to economic and financial gain. That to be prosperous does not necessarily mean that a person has to have a whole lot of money and material things. We would like to have that. But do you know that there are people who are prospering, but they do not have a lot of wealth? So one has to therefore be very careful in how we limit God's plan for our lives by simply understanding prosperity from an economic perspective. Are you following me so far? You are now watching KITV. The Bible says it. If you cover your sins, you can't prosper. But those who will confess it and turn away from it, they will find compassion. Anybody listening so far? Hmm. Who will not prosper? Who will not prosper? Jeremiah 10, 21. What it says. Let's read together loud. One, two, three. For the shepherds have become stupid and have not sought the Lord. Therefore, they have not prospered. And all their flock is scattered. This is a specific rebuke to those who are given the responsibility and the oversight for shepherding of the body of Christ. It's a, it's a specific rebuke to those who are shepherds in the body of Christ. So they become very stupid, dumb, that they have, they have turned to their own wisdom and they have not sought the Lord and therefore they are not prospering in their ways. The works of their hand is not prospering. Because they have not sought the Lord. And therefore, they have not prospered. And the, the flock is scattered as a result. Now, there are two things I learned from that. Some, somebody says, seek the Lord. Say it loud. Seek the Lord. What is it talking about? They have not prospered because they have not sought after the Lord. Number one, those who will not seek Him. Which means, those who have no interest in pursuing the Lord. It's one thing to say that we love God, but really, are we seeking after God? Are we chasing after God? Are we desiring a level of intimacy with God that would, by our conduct, our conversation, our actions and attitude says that more than anything else, I desire you in my life. There are times when we can say, to God, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. We can sing those songs. We can sing. We can confess with our mouth. But what is the saying? The proof of the pudding is in the eating? Is that the saying? The proof of the pudding is in the eating? Which is the evidence of one's devotion and affection is not in the speech but in the action. For you know, action speaks louder than what your words are saying. So, the shepherds who have not pursued really after God, those who have pursued maybe position, those who have pursued prestige, those who have, pers uh, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Pursued security, all of these things, but not God. It is possible that you and I can be in church, do so much for God, but not really pursue God. Are you there? It's possible that people can be in church because they have been socialized into Christianity. 
but not really be pursuing God. It's possible that we can be in church for years and be comfortable with the opportunities the church provides for socialization and the use of our talents and our gifts, but not really pursue God. There comes a time in every believer's life where God will put you up against a wall and really do a complete scan of your motives. And the way that is done, it's not a comfortable exercise, is that he slams you up against the wall, takes away some things from you, cuts off your relationships with people, get somebody up in your face to pluck your last nerve, get people to say mean things about you. That's the cat scan right there. And then when, when you go through all of that, and you still, without missing a beat, you still love Jesus. Then you know you're called. Amen. Are you listening? <laughs> uh, there, occasionally, there are days in my life when it happens. You know, I've been pastoring for 25 years. I've been a Christian for 30 years. There are days when I don't want to be a pastor anymore. Seriously, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just being honest with you. I don't want to. And it, it has happened several times. Yeah, I don't, maybe a hundred times, two, two hundred times, I don't know. But there are days you just don't want to do it anymore. You, 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 you think, you know, it'd be so nice if you can just be a member of a church. You know, you just go, you sit, you hear a good sermon, you pray, you worship Jesus. You don't have to, you don't have to think about anything. You don't have to just, just be a good Christian. And then you go home, and that's it. Hello, somebody? And the thought, it, I mean, it is such a wonderful thought. You think about all of the freedom that you have in your mind that you can go where you want, you can take a vacation, you can sleep late. You cannot have to get up and prepare another Bible study and sermon. You just come and listen to a good sermon. And then you're reminded, you have not come into this world to live your life. You have come into this world to fulfill his purpose. So if you think that life will be easier by giving up what you're called to do, it ain't going to be easier. You may have more time. You may have less stress. But life may not necessarily be easier. Because the worst thing anybody can do is to run away from the will of God for your life. It's to walk away from God's call on your life. Did you hear? Are we seeking him? The other thing also is not just that our, our desire and our heart must be after God. But also it means inquiring after his will. Have we, have we inquired after or have we gone about doing our own thing have we desired God number one and number two have we been seeking after his will have we been praying about what he wants us to do or have we been depending on our own wisdom or have we been been depending on the wisdom of a good friend every one of us has a confidant someone that we pick up the phone and call when we need advice on some things a good friend maybe a mother or a sister or you know a good friend uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. The Bible says in the multitude of, of counsel there is safety. 
but it's dangerous when all of your counsel is human counsel. Did you hear? So he says, you are stupid if you are not seeking after the will of God for your life. Because you can't prosper. Did you hear that? And so it's talking here about the only issue that God will prosper. God will, pro will not prosper those or those who will not prosper are those who do not seek after the Lord. Not just the shepherd, but anyone who does not seek after his will, who do not pursue him or desire him. Who you will not prosper. Proverbs 24, 33 and uh, 34. Let's read it aloud, everybody. One, two, three. What it says. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. So who will not prosper? The lazy. The lazy will not prosper. The lazy will not prosper. Those who like to sleep. I didn't say that. A little sleep, a little slumber. No, no, no. Okay, let me, let, me, let me retract that just in case you think, oh man, he's talking to me. I'm not talking to you. I don't know your business. But here's what that scripture is teaching. It is speaking of an attitude. It is speaking of an attitude of procrastination. It is speaking of an attitude of nonchalance, uncaring, que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. A little bit of sleep, a little bit of slumber, a little folding of their hands. Sitting at ease. Anybody hearing me? Sitting at ease. And poverty will come upon you. God, the, the lazy cannot prosper. Now here's something that I think we need to fix. Because this is damaging a lot of people's understanding of God and how he works. And lots of people are becoming disillusioned and frustrated when it doesn't work. It will not work. Did you hear me? It will not work. What will not work? I didn't tell you what it is. I'll tell you now. This whole idea that you don't have to do anything, that God will just open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Listen, I, I believe in faith. I believe that God works supernaturally in people's lives. But I can tell you this, okay? And I don't want anybody to be offended if you're offended. I'm not speaking to you necessarily, but I am speaking to you. I get worried when I'm around people who say things like, I just trust God for my daily, I don't do anything, and, and, and it just comes like that. Now, I get worried because in as much as I know that God does that for people, I don't see evidence in Scripture where God suggests that anybody live like that. That you do nothing about your, your daily life and sustenance and support. I see no evidence that Scripture suggests that kind of living. I see in 2 Kings where God said to Elijah, there is a famine. Now you go down by Brook Cherith and I will feed you there. But that was for a season in Elijah's life. That was not the blueprint as to how one should live. That was not a model as to how a believer should live. The scripture speaks about whatsoever your hands find to do, do it. Because there is honor in honest labor. You know, here's what the wise man Solomon says. Solomon says, you know, 
I have observed something. He says, I've observed that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor success to men of understanding. But time and chance, one translation said time and opportunity. Time and chance happens to us all. That's what Solomon is saying. He says, I've noticed that sometimes it's not a swift who always wins the race. Nor it's not a strong who always wins the fight. Nor it is not those who are of understanding that always succeeds. He says, but time and opportunity. Which, he's saying those are two gifts that God gives to every one of us. He gives us time and he gives us opportunity. What you do with the time, what you do with those opportunities that God has given to you. What's an opportunity? An opportunity is a favorable circumstance that does not previously exist. Are you listening? An opportunity, you don't always have an opportunity. An opportunity can just show up right here in the middle of, of nowhere. Are you hearing? Give you a typical illustration of what an opportunity is. So let's say it begins to rain cats and dogs tomorrow morning. You open your eyes and you get up and it's just raining. I mean, lightning and thunder. Most of you would say, man, this is a bad day. But someone who has a business of selling raincoats, it's a good day. That's an opportunity. It's a favorable circumstance that did not previously exist. So every one of us will be given opportunities. But a lot of us don't see it because we are busy complaining about what we don't have. That we don't even see when the opportunity comes. So, we, we, so make full use of your opportunity. That's what it is saying. Don't sleep and slumber and fold your hands and say you have time. Because you will not prosper. So the question is, will we always prosper? Will we always prosper? Ecclesiastes 7.14. Will we always prosper? Ecclesiastes 7.14. In the day of prosperity, be happy. But in the day of adversity, consider. Consider what? That God has made the one as well as the other. So the man will not discover anything that will be after him. Now, let me, let, me, let me put that in context for you. God has made both the day of prosperity and he has made the day of adversity. And so he's saying in, in, in whatever day you find yourself, understand that God made both days. <laughs> and you consider that God has made it and therefore God is in charge because in essence what that scripture is saying is that God doesn't want you to concern yourself about what is coming after you. He doesn't want you to consider what's, 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 what, what happens next. Just, just be thankful because if the day of prosperity is yours and the day of adversity comes, just consider that it's God who made it, which means that it's God who will make tomorrow, whether it is a day, if tomorrow be a day of prosperity or a day of adversity. Did anybody hear? This scripture is trying to teach us that we are not to be concerned about and that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's our challenge. Most of us, our prosperity is not just about today. Our concern for prosperity is that we want to insulate ourselves against tomorrow's adversity. We want to protect ourselves against tomorrow's thunderstorms. Have you ever heard this, the, the saying, put up something for rainy days? That's what it means. That you are anticipating adversity and so you, you want to do your best in your day of prosperity. You're hoping that your day of prosperity will come so that when your day of adversity comes, that you will be taken care of. Scripture is teaching us, listen up. 
If God is the one who made the day of prosperity, and he's the one who made the day of adversity, if he provides for you in the day of prosperity, he will sustain you through the day of adversity. Because the truth is, none of us really, I don't care how, how uh, great a planner you are, none of us can really adequately insulate ourselves against the day of adversity. Because adversity has many names and faces. Adversity comes in many shapes and forms. Did you hear? Today you could be in the best of health and tomorrow you get a diagnosis that floors everything that you, every plan you have drops everything else down in its order of priority. Are you listening? How do you insulate yourself against that? Money? Wealth? Education? Are you there? Some years ago I asked my brother-in-law, he was going off to university and I was just playing with him. We were young men together. I was pursuing ministry. He was going to university at the time. So uh, when I was moving off to go to, well, not to Bible school, but I was pursuing I had a scholarship to go abroad and study at Bible school. He was going to university. I said to him, why, why do you want to go to university? He says, to qualify myself. I says, why do you want to qualify yourself? He says, are you kidding me right now? I says, go ahead. Why do you want to qualify yourself? He says, of course, because I want to be able to position myself to get a better job. I said, why do you want a better job? He says, man, you're just fooling with me. I said, no, answer the question. I'm going somewhere. Why do you want a better job? He says, I want a better job so I can make more money. I said, why do you want to make more money, man? He says, look, Gilbert, you lost your mind. I said, listen, just answer the question. I'm going somewhere. He says, okay, you want to make money to do what? To have a, he says, to secure my future, so will my family. And I said to him, listen, man, I understand all of that. But let's just jump down the road, 10 years down the road, and I promise you that without God, none of these steps will secure what you are hoping for. Because the reality is you can get a, a good education, get a good job, make more money. And all of what you're hoping to accomplish by all of that, adversity stops all of that. So the safest place is in God, man. Are you there? Safest place is in God. So will we always prosper? What do you say? Yes or no? No. No. There are days of adversities. And so do not allow yourself to be deceived by these new age preaching that would suggest that God wants you to always be wealthy and always prosper and always be on the mountain. That's not biblical. That violates the very law of nature. The law of nature is that the world is kept in absolute balance by opposites. Up. In, night, male, good, God, heaven. It is, the world is kept in balance because of these dynamics. So when you talk about, when, 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 when you believe that you will always do well and always prosper, is in violation of the natural law. Because for as long as there is a mountain, there has to be a valley. Have you ever seen a mountain without a valley? 
It is the presence of the valley that tells you that the mountain exists. So you can't have a mountain and not have a valley. The valley makes the mountain possible. So don't be deceived into thinking that your life will always be about prosperity. You're going to have some nighttime seasons in your life. You're going to have some tough days in your life. It comes with life. And if you don't believe that, then you are not alive. You have to believe because even Jesus endured the nighttime seasons of his life. Well, we come out, name all these things. Solomon says it another way. He says, I observe something. He says, there's a time and a season to every purpose. He says, there's a time to be born and there's a time to die. There's a time to give away and there's a time to gather. There's a time to plant and there's a time to pluck up that which is planted. What was Solomon establishing? Solomon is establishing that for as long as the earth remains. In fact, let's go back to Genesis. Genesis puts it another way. Genesis says, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. And it's not speaking in the context of events. It is establishing a cosmic law. And it's a law that governs the universe that as long as there is one, there is going to be another. That's why it doesn't matter how long your nighttime season is, day is going to come in your life. And you have to believe that the seasons will change in your life. Somebody say yes. yes. You sit there like you don't believe it. Look at somebody and tell them your morning is coming. Come on, tell them your morning is coming. Doesn't matter how dark your night is, your morning is coming. Weeping lasts for a night. But joy comes in the morning. Clap your hands and give the Lord praise, everybody. Yes, 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 yes. So we will not always prosper. That's the reality of life. And the Bible never promised us that either. Ecclesiastes 7.14. Did I give you that already? Yeah, I did. So what brings prosperity? What brings prosperity? Second Chronicles 31, 21. Every work which he began in the service of the house of God in law and in command, seeking his God, he did with all his heart, and he prospered. Hallelujah. Matthew, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and what? All the things that you desire shall be added unto your life. It didn't say work for it and it shall be added. It says seek the kingdom. Seek the kingdom. Seek the work of the Lord and it shall be added. So where did you go? Come back. Every work which he began in the service of the Lord of, of God in law and in commandment. Seeking his God he did with all his heart and he prospered. So Doing the work with all your heart brings prosperity. Doing the work half-heartedly, when you have to be begged to do it, one can't, be, one can't prosper that way. Scripture puts it another way. It says, whatsoever your hands find to do, do it with all your might as unto the Lord. Scripture speaks about how we serve the Lord, how we must serve him, Psalms. Serve the Lord with gladness. There's an attitude that is required, a heart attitude. In essence, your prosperity is connected to how you serve, serving with the, with the heart. What brings prosperity? Joshua 1, 8. Let's read together aloud. 1, 2, 3. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. <laughs> 
so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success what is he saying two things number one prosperity comes when we declare the word and do the word he says this book of the Lord shall not depart from your mouth he's not saying that you must eat it he says you must speak it that prosperity comes by declaration and by doing not by just one but both the scripture speaks about the power of the declaration and it says that in the town there is the power of life and death declaration in the tongue there is what life and death Jesus said these words I speak unto you their spirit and they are life scripture reminds us speak those things that are not as though they are it says whatsoever you say it shall be done unto you that you have to open your mouth and make a declaration you have to speak the word so he said this book of the law must not leave your mouth which means don't say anything don't open your mouth and speak contrary to the purposes of God in your life don't say negative stuff one of the things that troubles me is the fact that Christians will come to the house of the Lord and they would hear the word preached or taught and then when they get to the parking lot they would open their mouth and speak things that are totally contrary to what they have heard in the house you can't prosper like that you have to speak in alignment with what the word says you can't curse your own destiny so we pray for you and you 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 leave and then when you get out into the foyer he says you know oh man this arthritis of mine would not leave me well you are calling it yours it's yours take it and go hello somebody don't speak against your own destiny so declaration and doing the word declare the word do the word brings prosperity he says this book of the law shall not leave your mouth but you must also observe to do what it says and so what happens very often is that we as believers we we sometimes take refuge in the fact that we know what the Bible says and because we we know what the Bible says we assume that because we know it that is going to work for us it doesn't work unless you until you do it I've heard Christians say things like okay they quote the scripture and they say you know given it shall be given back unto you pressed down shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom they are quoting the scripture over and over again but nothing is coming out of their hand victory does not come by quoting that scripture victory comes when you do what the scripture says are you hearing you, you don't prosper because you are quoting the word did you hear what I said I was saying to someone recently listen somebody talked about you know the word and preaching the word and not preaching the word and whatever and I said to the individual listen my understanding of preaching the word is not quoting scriptures preaching the word is an appropriate understanding and expression of the context of scripture that you can quote a hundred verses that's not the word 
The word is when you understand what it says and you apply it in its appropriate context. Did you hear? So someone could be saying all of these scripture verses, but that's not victory. Victory comes when you take the scriptures you are quoting and you apply it to your life in its, in its, in its appropriate context. So a lot of promises I hear people claiming all the time and naming, claiming, blaming, framing, whatever it is. I'm saying this is just ridiculous. That's why you have a bunch of church folks with a whole lot of confessions but no possession. They have, they have nothing to show for all the scripture verses they are quoting. There comes a time when you have to just apply what you just read and put the spanner to the wheel. The problem with, with most of us as Christians is that we have not begun to put the spanner to the wheel. We quote the scriptures, we read the scriptures, and, but we're not doing the scriptures. We prosper when we declare and do. Do, say do. What brings prosperity? Proverbs 12, 11. Let's read together everybody. He who tills the land will have plenty of bread. But he who pursues the worthless things lacks sense. Here's the principle in that. There's some things that are worthless. There's some pursuits that are worthless. You have to pick your fight. You have to, you have to strategize as to where you will go and how you will go in life and decide what kind of things you will, you will pursue and what you will put your energies into.